0: Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. I am Kim,
1: and I am Steve,
0: and we have some very special visitors on the phone with us today from upstate New York. We have Stephanie
1: Scaglione and Hudson Scaglione. Yeah, hey.
0: we're so hey. happy to have you.
1: Oh, well, welcome to the show. Thanks. Do you actually yeah. consider yourself upstate or get count- wait?
0: say like
2: if you're narrowing it in it's finger
1: lake but totally upstate hippie new york upstate hippie new
2: york we, okay you,
0: if you are a friend of the 13th hour studios you will recognize Steffi from uh a mile 13 show that we did with her yeah. And she is on for a very different reason today. We are not talking about ghosts today. We're going to talk about um, the way the scaglions live their life.
1: Yeah, and I, we don't know. Yeah. And we're going to ask you, like, how do you classify this? I mean, basically, if you've watched TV shows right now, they're really popular about living out in the wilds in Alaska or Maine or something like that. And I don't know. I, I don't know how we're going to classify this. We're going to say off the grid alternative ways of living how would you how would you classify how you live
2: i would say that we just try to be as green as possible so super sustainable how much can we actually take care of ourselves if we didn't have a supermarket
1: okay so So most of our more would you describe it like minimalistic or green you're not living in a tiny house
2: I mean, it's a pretty small house, but it's definitely <laughs> you know we have our own we have our own rooms and they're they're bedrooms like they have a bed. Yeah. Uh, do you feel do you feel like you have enough room in your room? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a small room. It's like a bed. And um, there's also a fish a computer. He yeah, can. he's got so he got, a got decent all decent size stuff. room, but decent size room, but um, more kind of. Out in the middle of nowhere, but we do have, you know, neighbors and cornfields and cows. Yep.
0: Now it's so. interesting because Stephanie and I uh, have known each other for well over twenty years, and we came from I the know. same. We yeah, I know sounds a long time. Um, we <laughs> came from the same town, so like it's not like you grew up like this. You grew up in suburbia, exactly. And I totally never saw myself doing. That. I so this- honestly, I can't say that I'm necessarily surprised because you've always been very um, sort of open minded and open to new things. And uh, I, I could see it. But how did you decide that this um, was how you like? How did this happen? <laughs> so
2: um when we got married, my husband and I, you know, got pregnant shortly thereafter. And when we sat down and looked at our two incomes, we realized that if we added daycare into that, mm-hmm. we, we kind of were working for someone for free. Mm-hmm. And so we really only had to make up about $10,000 of uh, my income if I stayed home. So we thought the easiest way to do that and we were a little naive. The easiest way to do that would be to buy some farmland and, you know, start little house on the prairie again. And uh, it's become bigger and bigger every year now that we're just so competitive with it. But <laughs> it started off with like, can we grow fifty percent of our food? Okay. Uh, and then I could stay home with husband.
1: All righty. So like and how would you best describe how you live?
2: Okay, so back then, which was almost 11 years ago, it really was just kind of a a small garden that we did what we could. And it has kind of, with Hudson being this awesome eco-warrior, kind of turned into how much can we grow, how many techniques can we use to grow more on a little piece of land, how much less plastic waste we can make and paper waste, basically how much waste. And we've kind of taken it to maybe a crazy extent. I think others would find it weird, but now it's just the
0: norm. It's just the way you live. But that's interesting. How okay, so I you started to do it to save money. Is it cheaper? Do you find that it is cheaper? I think that
2: we, you know, produce, trade, can, forage, all this. Fun, you know, trading locally food. Uh, we've done down to where we we grow 50% of our own. We forage. We're up to foraging almost 25% of our.
1: Okay, food. now we're are, are we talking wow. road? Are we talking roadkill here? <laughs> no.
2: Uh, although I will say one time, a beautiful grouse hit my window, and we had it for dinner. That's different. Like, that's, that's, fresh a, no. that's fresh kill.
1: That's fresh kill. That's completely different. <laughs> I mean I've seen that show on T V, the guy in England who would go pick up oh, like Oh, this been one's been like dead a week. a week. That one's perfect.
0: Yeah, I know.
2: No, I mean if we hit a deer, I might think about it. But uh no, um mostly like uh apples and we started learning what we could eat as far as like cattail shoots make awesome pickles. So we can cattails huh. and we collect elderberries and hickory nuts and blackberries and we learned what weeds we can eat around here it's really been kind of fun
1: yeah you know I was I was driving up from Kentucky late one night and I hit a deer out in remote southern Ohio and I pulled off and I was going to throw that thing in the back of the truck and get it properly tagged and everything like I'm supposed to do but before I, I pulled my truck off the road Put the headlights on it, and before I could drag the deer off the road, two cars ran over it. And mind you, there was nothing Aww. out there. They could have easily gone over into the the other lane or slowed down. It was like a little Toyota Corolla ran over the car or ran over the deer. Mm. And then I looked at it and said, "I while I'm sitting there thinking, I can't believe you just ran over that deer." And then before I could say that, another like a small little Honda Civic did the same thing. At that point. The deer was just too mangled. I drug it off the road and drove on down uh, the road about eight miles and made a deer strike report with the Ohio Highway Patrol. Oh,
2: uh, I was going to say that story started like I was about to hop out of your car and help you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
0: and I do want to clarify, you guys are not vegan vegetarian.
2: No. Uh, you know, there's, we, we try to do pretty good. We definitely, how many meatless dinners a week? Maybe two. Yeah, we're two meat, we're two meat. yeah. Okay. so we, we're conscious about the meat we eat, and I think Hudson and I can both cook a pretty awesome vegan dinner, but, you know, we use eggs and everything for we chicken. So, gotcha. Not vegan, but we do eat a lot of vegetarian food.
1: How many chickens do you have?
2: But I like meat. <laughs> meat. I, like, I like fishing. <laughs>
1: so. how, how many chickens but, do you have?
2: I used to have six, but one of them might have died because it got sick. Oh. We still
0: do not know why it died. Oh, that's not yeah. good. Yeah.
2: It wasn't looking very good, so it got cold.
0: So but, we're uh, – that Okay, that was going to be another question that I had for you. Um, Is it – you say that you forage a lot and you grow about 50%. Now, in the wintertime when it's cold out, do you have – like, did you have to build – a greenhouse? Do you grow things indoors? How does that work?
2: We sometimes grow things indoors, but most of the time we grow it outside. Okay. And, and then can it and freeze it and dry it. Okay. Like, right now we could go to the fridge and eat preserved peaches that we made this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. That makes so, sounds really good. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I was gonna say, we have like gallons of applesauce and, and stuff that we put up and you know, any time we want to make a mincemeat pie, it is ready to go.
1: So how how remote? So people listening, just how remote are you? Do you live one mile out of town? Do you live in town? Do you live fifty miles out of town? Just give us give us a picture so of
2: I feel like compared to, you know, where we I grew up in Kettering, it's definitely not that. We're a good twenty minutes away from a supermarket. Okay. I think that everybody wants to think about how quickly they can, you know, get its supplies. But we're about 30 miles uh, or uh, thirty minutes outside of Ithaca. How close? And, uh, and there's a little downtown, garage with, you know, a little bakery and a gas station. So Small town. So we're not living out in the woods. But yeah. we do have, you know, a stream running through the backyard, a cornfield out in front of us, cows in either direction. But we have awesome neighbors. So.
0: And do your neighbor, are your neighbors sort of the same? Like, are they try? do they consider themselves self-sustaining as well? I would
2: say a lot of them are. So, or uh, everybody haunts. So, uh, our neighbors uh, are awesome traders. So, you know, if we have a ton of potatoes, or she needs a zucchini. He is always hitting herself with salmon or deer meat. I just recently broke my leg, and she's like, I have deer tacos headed your way.
0: Ooh. it's,
2: it's I know, right? Good system. And uh, our neighbors that we get, um, we tap maple trees, and they're actually our neighbors. And, you know, you just give them some maple syrup, and it's kind of fun. Nice, tight-knit community.
1: Okay. So – Growing up in suburban Ohio, how did you learn this? Was it hit or miss? Did you have to go to the Internet, books? How, how did you learn I, how to do all this?
2: I mean, my dad was an Eagle Scout, and we always did a lot of, you know, camping or, you know, playing with fire or something. And it turned into a real love of camping and solo hiking and how little of stuff can you get down to. And uh, I also thought that it would be really cool to learn how to start a fire without matches or a Clinton field. So I've gotten pretty good. Hmm. But I think that a love of just being really competitive and, you know, it would be cool to say that, you know, you could survive in the woods or something. But it, it really did turn into maybe I can use this for a hobby and grow vegetables and stuff. So it's kind of become a family thing.
0: Yeah. How how did Matt uh your husband was this something that he was open to right from the beginning or did you have to talk him into it a little bit?
2: I think that he is much more of the country kid. I mean this oh, really? is how he grew up. Okay. His parents were his parents were far more remote than us. I you know, they gotta walk away to get to their neighbor and, you know, can look out but his mom grew everything she um has built up you know all the edible stuff that she can find in the wild over the time that they've lived there her ramp collection is insane so foraging wasn't weird to him and growing you know all the food i think that slow did that too with a lot of the years that she was raising kids
1: so he had a fairly good base of where to start from then
2: yeah, and okay. he's actually amazing with solo hiking and, you know, forgeables. And he is like the master hiker. He's, you know, soloed in
0: Algonquin in Canada.
2: He's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> We're getting old, so maybe not anymore, but. Yeah,
0: yeah and uh, we should mention too that you are laid up with knee surgery, so you're not forging much of anything anytime soon, but. But again, oh she's got so,
1: Hudson for that. She
0: has Hudson for that and like she said it's just blown me away to hear all of these people like you you mentioned that your neighbors bring you deer tacos and like I never cease to be amazed whenever I see that you are going through something like your neighbors do step up in a big way and help out and just the people in your life um just really lend their aid. I think you know if you're willing to Do something for a
2: friend for nothing, you know. In return, I do a lot. You know, drop off a box of food to a single mom, and I do a lot of work with a a mothers group. So I have a lot of awesome friends who send gift cards and drop off dinners and and send pizza money. Wink, wink.
1: So there's like a real, (laughs) a real sense of community up there, then.
2: Exactly. You know, uh, I think that. When, that when, whole adage that it takes a village to raise a child. A lot of these moms take that very seriously up here.
1: Yeah, I mean, we I think we said this earlier when when Kim and I drove to Maine earlier back in October, we were just really pleasantly surprised of how friendly mm-hmm. everyone we ran into when you know, once we got off the, the beaten path, how friendly everyone was. And that was really pleasing for us to be go out and, to experience something like that. Yeah, not that people around Dayton aren't friendly, but it was just noticeably different.
2: Well, you know, we've been trapped up in our houses for like nine months' worth of snow by the time you we were probably up here. Everybody's <laughs> just so happy that there's sunshine and it's not two degrees.
1: Okay, so how much <laughs> snow yeah, are, you know. a, are you expecting in a normal winter? So this is not the normal winter.
2: There's been like nothing. Yeah, yeah i mean we've we've been too. out to the
1: store and we're wearing shirts. Yeah. people are wearing exactly. short pants right oh. now,
2: yeah exactly uh but normally, you know the snow starts in late October and it just keeps building up and building up and building up. so you might get three feet here you might you know you end up cutting past through it sometimes but okay. what do you think the most snow we had a we had it close to a four foot snow pile up once. Wow. Do you remember like, the one time when I was a baby and granddad threw me into the pile of snow? Yes. My, that was a lot of snow. We had a three-foot snow fall once, like, in a two-day period when my parents were visiting. <laughs> and my my dad did throw Hudson into the snow in his snowsuit.
0: suit.
2: Aww. Had, it was cute. It was, he didn't like it very much, but it was cute.
1: <laughs> so I take it, okay, so you raise a garden. We know that. How big a plot, how much land do you set aside to use your garden or raise your garden with?
2: So I think that it's surprising. It's really only the main garden, if you total everything up. So we're growing up and down, and the square footage is far more. But it's really, if you're looking at the ground in the different plots, about 40 foot by 40 foot squared.
1: Okay, and you a 40 by 40 foot square so you can raise enough to put up all winter and sustain yourself so but it's you, not like but
0: you grow up not necessarily yeah. just on the ground so you have like raised beds on top of beds yes
1: okay is is so, that a technique that you use or i think
2: that we've Really, you know, done 10 years worth of research and gotten it to the point of using, you know, different garden techniques from around the world that are growing, you know, more, you know, longer into the season, keeping your beds warm or raising your beds. You know, if you're growing um, Hudson Research, a Native American technique, Um, do you want to talk about it? It it was the corn, seeds, and squash method.
1: What is that?
2: So the corn grew up, and the beans grew around the corn, and then the squash created shadows so that other plants couldn't grow to invade all three of the plants. Huh. So you could be growing corn, corn, beans, and squash in the exact same foot-by-foot area.
1: Exactly. And you call that the native technique?
2: What's it's actually called Three Sisters, and I wish that I knew the um, the Algonquin word for it. But, um, yeah, and we also were reading into, you know, we're organic gardening because, you know, why spray something? If you're growing it yourself, you right, know, find right. ways to keep the bugs off. Yeah. So we found a technique that if you grow radishes, four radishes per square foot, and just let them go crazy. Like, don't pick them to eat. Um, Their flowers smell like pepper, and it keeps away a lot of kinds of invasive bugs. Huh. So some of these techniques that have been used here for, you know, as long as we've been, you know, using agriculture as a society, if that worked for so long, it can still work now. And it, it's pretty reliable. Yeah. Especially for squash
0: bugs. Exactly. Yeah. So and one of the other things that I was curious about, because this is something that I'm kind of starting to get interested in, is um, sort of like alchemy and alchemical um, uses. So do you grow herbs as well for, I know you mentioned elderberry. Do you grow other alchemical herbs and plants that you use for medicinal purposes? So we have kind of a cool key set up.
2: So we can make like a throat tea, a sleepy time tea, and um, what I like to call stomach cocoa, which is just like um, peppermint and a little bit of dark chocolate, although I'm not growing the dark chocolate. but uh,
1: mm, You're not really growing dark chocolate?
2: <laughs> I know, I wish, man, someday with, you know.
1: Okay, like you're talking about like the cocoa but, bean, right? Yeah. Because exactly. I've, I've been to Hershey. And I didn't see him growing it there.
0: I don't know if you can grow cocoa in (laughs) New York. I don't know. No, but there, I'm,
2: you know, but but you can, you know, I would say that about 15% of our food is still coming from good old Walmart, so... (laughs) I can't preach. I can't preach too heavily on, you know, well, eliminating mean, all of your things.
0: Yeah, but there are some things that you just you just you can't grow them. Like you're not going to be able to grow pineapples and avocados. Coffee. You can re, I, you, yeah, you can't grow coffee. Your soil's just you not can, right for you it. You can buy
2: friendly. You can buy friendly, but you you can't grow coffee and then eat coffee. Right. But um but yeah, we do we do cough syrup with the elderberries, and we do grow a lot of teas.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So lemon balm and catnip and um, tons of different kinds of peppermint. It like takes over. So and husband... funny enough, if you feed chickens a bunch of peppermints, you get peppermint flavored eggs. A no
0: weird. way! Do you really? Way.
2: So one time we were cutting back peppermint and Hudson fed it all to the chickens, and that round of eggs tasted remarkably like peppermint.
1: Okay, I'm thinking of uh, the, the movie. What movie? Which one? It's, I don't um,
0: know.
1: Uh, with it, they're, they're talking about the milk.
0: Oh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, this cow oh, tastes cow like cow got it got in... into an onion patch.
1: You know, I, I, had no, to go, actually... I had to go to an FFA convention and I was talking to some of the kids that were walking around, and I asked them about that, and they said, "No, that is very accurate. That they do that in the it judging. Is very accurate. They will give them a glass of milk, and they have to describe. Like, was the cow in clover? Yeah. Did the cow get in the onion patch? Or I, I, well, there's a
2: there's a, a herb around here that grows that we actually go out and collect. So garlic grows around here wild. Ooh. and you can you'll see it just." you know a long trail sort of out in the woods and it makes these kind of funky curly cue um grass blade kind of looking things and you know they're easy to find but also they kind of smell good and cows seek that out and their milk tastes straight up like fettuccine alfredo uh,
0: hudson do you it's- have ffa where you go to school
2: he does have the FFA, although he doesn't do it. He does like cooking club and other stuff. You're yeah, always yes. gonna say, "I <laughs> feel like Hudson would have."
0: Club? Do what you did last year.
2: I I participated in a baking club last year, and my partner didn't show up for the contest, <laughs> and I still won.
0: <laughs> wow. I, as you should have, I, Hudson. Uh, I maybe shouldn't say this in the air, but I paid a lot of money for Hudson to send me some cookies. <laughs> And they were amazing. They were blueberry chocolate chip, and they were so good.
1: Hey, Stephanie. Yeah,
2: he picked the blueberries. Okay.
1: If you were to estimate just a rough percentage, what percentage of your food do you provide for yourself, and then how much did you have do you have to go to the store for?
2: All right. So it's 50% what we're growing and eating and canning, you know, just from our plot of land. Okay. And then – 25% is coming from foraging, hunting, fishing, or trading with friends. Okay.
1: So that's um, total. So now 75% you're percent. providing for, right? Yep.
2: Yes, okay. but I also do work for a food rescue. So 5 to 10% of our food is coming from food that would have otherwise gone sweet.
0: Oh, nice.
2: So, and, and food waste is a really huge problem, especially for the United States. Yeah. yeah. So it's something that that we've sort of come across with years of getting into this and meeting different people who have been doing this for so much longer. Hey, um, I, but, like,
1: oh, go ahead. Oh, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to our local big grocery stores like Kroger and something like that. They do have a program that they are trying to eliminate as much food waste as they can. So when they have to take it off the shelves or the vegetables that are there, everything is still 100% edible, but it goes to food banks. So Mm -hmm. the big stores around here are trying to eliminate as much waste as they can.
2: Which is awesome. Our stores are really getting into that too. I mean, it's kind of shocking that, you know, 31% of the food that's grown in the United States and that is shipped in, never actually makes it onto a dinner plate. So it goes straight to a landfill. Is it because it spoils? It's because it spoils in store and and moving stuff from, you know, it's easier to get an avocado. Avocados are the best example because they're soft, they're hard to ship. So say you get, it's easier to get an avocado from California to Ohio than it is to get an avocado from, you know, Mexico to Ohio. Right. And, um about uh sixty eight percent of all avocado ships from anywhere go bad just because you dent them and nobody wants to buy a dented avocado wow, so um right <laughs> uh so a lot of those it's easy to send that off to a food rescue, and then the food rescue can turn it into guacamole and get it to you know latino restaurants uh, they can use it that day or even but it does mean.
0: Okay. uh, or like the, or you hear a lot about urban, um, food deserts where you, mm-hmm. you know, you might have like the quickie mart on the corner, but you, it's really hard to get fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, and some of the food pantries and things that operate in the lower income neighborhoods, that stuff goes super fast. And most yep. of what they have is all canned goods, which is, I mean, you hear statistics like that and, and it just its mind-boggling.
1: I've had a night.
2: Groton, New York is actually a food desert. There is not a uh, supermarket within 15 miles of the town. I mean, you have the dollar store, and then you have a gas station. That is it. Otherwise, you're driving you know, to Lansing. You're driving to Ithaca. And if you don't have a car, you can't get food. And it becomes a, a very serious low-income problem. Quickly, Yeah. And so a lot of farms around here have, um, you know, provided kids at school. There's so many cool programs um, to get farm-fresh vegetables to kids in his town. Like, you can go to the library every Tuesday and pick up, you know, the bees from farms. So, like, really nice-looking cantaloupes and stuff, just bees and all nice food.
1: I have had, I'm going to say a thought, because if I say an idea, idea... (laughs) Kim's going to laugh at me because I can't say that word right. But I had this thought as I drive around where we live, there are churches everywhere. And most of the churches, it seems like, are sitting on five-plus acres, oh, yeah. four, two, three, four, five-plus acres. And I've wondered why don't the these local churches – it wouldn't take much to have a farmer. There's probably someone in their church that could go out there, disc up the land, prepare the land, and they could easily have – a two-acre garden that could be divided off into plots that you know the the people from their church could go out and raise their own food, and I I've I've meant to write a couple of the churches here locally and ask them about that.
0: There you go. Now you just put it on the air, so everybody that listens when Steve forgets, guys flood us with emails and and messages and stuff reminding him to contact the churches to build a garden.
2: And, you know, out here they still, you know, in the smaller sort of country churches, still have parsonages. um, And, you know, I'm telling you right now, those farmers have big old pots in their backyard, and they are using theirs to not only feed their family, but doing, you know, big parishioner dinners with some of their
1: stuff. Yeah, I just see so much.
0: That's happening here.
1: I just see so much wasted land that they could provide a service for themselves.
0: And the interesting thing is we actually do have one, but you know where it is? It's on 5th Street. So it's like in the heart of downtown Dayton. There is one church...
1: Where they've, a house has been torn down, they've turned it into a garden. Right yeah, there?
0: there's like one church that's not even, I mean, maybe the church and the garden are on a half acre lot. Maybe, although I don't even think it's that. It's probably like a quarter acre lot. Okay. And they grow, it. there's like a kind of a big homeless population in that area. So the parishioners tend to the garden and they don't take anything. Like it's just there for the homeless people and people that need it in the, in the community.
2: There's a church um right down the road from us and they have a big plot and they just have a farm, a free farm stand. Like anybody can just pull up and get a zucchini for dinner or, you know, beep it just depends on what's sitting out there. I see so many people, you know, of, of all eco classes stopping. Yeah. And just saying, you know, wow, farm let's eat some zucchini. You know, I always hope that it's um, and I would say the weird, the weirdest difference of around here and and in Ohio is that free culture is a big thing around here. I have I can count how many times somebody sat something out for free mm-hmm. in catering on like my hand. Yeah. But here it's, we have like free sale season. We've all gotten crazy fun things. Um I'm trying to think of the weirdest last thing that we found at a free sale. The weirdest thing we found?
1: Yeah.
2: Horse saddles. Oh, saddles. Yes.
1: Like for horses?
2: For horses. It was a really old saddle, and the kids played with it for a long time. Hmm. And then we donated it to the high school for plays.
0: You know what? You're right, because we have a card table that's been sitting out by the mailbox for whoever to take, and hopefully the trash people would take it if nobody did. It's been out there for like two weeks. And nobody, there's not, one of the legs is bent. Nobody's interested in it.
1: Yeah, but you know, a lot of the stuff we put out, a lot of people, it's gone before daylight comes.
0: That is true. We did put out a burned out Christmas tree. And as soon as I I posted it on Facebook Marketplace, and within five minutes after I posted it, somebody showed up and took it.
2: Exactly. And I think that more people, like, uh, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Absolutely. um, Absolutely. Especially with baby stuff up here, uh, you know, if, if someone gets pregnant, it's just like you can find a crib, a bassinet, a swing for free, just because some mom is like, "Please, Lord, just come take this." <laughs> when I lived you in know?
1: when I lived in Germany, they had a thing. I think it was like once a quarter or something like that. They called it Junking Day, and you would put no. out your stuff that was still usable. You just put it out by the roadside and or in front of your house. And you would see people go through, and they, they just repurposed, recycled stuff like that. And it, I mean, we don't do it officially here, but I mean, we we kind of do.
2: But, yeah, there's um, a lot of colleges in this area, and uh, once a year they have when you know all the students are moving out of the dorms, they have this thing called the dump and run. And everybody just throws their old stuff out, like, and people dig through it. I have something weird in the title. What? Well, I found a plant that was dead, and I got it when I was, like, three, and it's still alive. You got that at the dump and run. It was, like, a half-dead plant that Hudson brought back to life, and now it's had so many. I think everybody has a piece of that plant.
0: Aw, I love that. Hmm. I know,
2: uh, but, you know, there's just, it, it's. Fun, and I think that you know we've really gotten it down to where our actual cost of things, you know, that we're buying outside of food, uh-huh. like necessities, clothes, hygiene products, you know, anything like that, we've gotten that down to like two thousand twenty five hundred dollars a year, maybe. Mm.
0: Do because you do you make any of that? that? Like your soaps and all of that stuff. Do you make any of that yourself?
2: we have but you know sometimes you just really want deodorant too <laughs> yeah so you can make you can make adequate deodorant but like um when you have tweens living in your house that mm-hmm. smell i'm sorry
1: do they smell like ax
0: you know <laughs>
1: yeah uh, i
2: can't you know i don't I,
0: picture hudson using ax <laughs>
1: Caroline, okay. oh no, husband's got a bottle of husband's got some Mac. Really? Okay, so you're gonna to have to explain this one. How do you make your own homemade deodorant?
0: Okay. Do you use that so garlic you're finding or what? Oh my gosh. No.
2: <laughs> so you uh vinegar has actually long been used as, you know, what you can use to make yourself not stink. So I do like 50% white vinegar, 50% water, a little bit of baking soda, let it all foam up in a bowl, put it in a bottle, and then, you know, make it smell good with something like vanilla. Okay. And it works pretty good. It's not going to work to make you not sweat, but it is easy to put on and then kind of smell like you're at the beach. It kind of smells like, um, you know, cookies. Coconut. So it's, so it's more,
0: or lavender. So it's more like a deodorant than an antiperspirant.
2: Exactly. It's just okay. kind of going to cut body foam.
1: Okay, but so Hudson, do you prefer to use the homemade deodorant or your axe? I technically prefer the
2: short stuff, but I'm okay with any Okay. That's, that's awesome. I'm that's not picky about anything. Yeah. That's In good. the beginning, it was easy to just make him smell good. Now it's like get us some arm Hammer or something. But, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I smell so bad after Becky's basketball practice. Yeah, it's kind of funky. But we could make it, but I think I'll let that be one of my luxury items. Yeah, preteen boys.
0: Preteen boys have the funk. (laughs)
2: Laundry soap is actually really easy to make. Uh,
1: How do you do that?
2: So, I mean, so you can actually get concentrated laundry soap and like a Felds NAFTA bar and borax which is pretty easy, you know, boric acid cleanser, and a box of industrial baking soda, so like washing soda. And for like, I don't know, $2.50, you can make five-gallon buckets of, you know, laundry soap that's earth-friendly and not going to hurt the ecosystem as it drains out.
1: So you are when the equivalent I, you know, of do-it-yourself as when I go through the line at Kroger and the person brings out the entire book of coupons?
2: You know, apps have, I used to be. I used to be. I used to be. Apps have made this so easy. So for what we do buy, a lot of planning goes into it, and uh, it, a lot of it can be done on apps.
1: Okay. So so, so you're, you're pretty good per, with uh, percentages approximately, and we're not going to hold you to it, but how much stuff do you have to buy at the store?
2: 15% of everything that we use, I would say. 15%. Definitely coming okay. from a store. You know, and some years where the garden, you know, we had a flooding one year, we've had a drought one year, that jumped way up. Yeah. yeah. So you always kind of have to be prepared to do that. But, you know, I would say, you know, sometimes we, you know, we're getting... We're supplementing our chicken or we might buy we buy a ton of milk. So I will say we're at least going through since we're cooking from scratch five
0: to seven gallons of milk a week. Whoa. I Build know, strong right? bones. Holy cow. Did well, oh,
1: you well Ah hear know? what I did
0: there? I didn't even mean to. What did you do? I said holy oh, cow. What? Holy cow. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, so, are you considering
1: But I mean, are you considering getting a cow anything. or a goat? Or a goat?
2: Um so we have a neighbor down the road that we do meet with and uh, I have I have thought about cows and there's a lot of great sad stories about, you know, the family cow. <laughs> so it's the fact that if you do have a cow Every year and a half, you're going to have to have a baby cow and either eat it or sell it or, or whatever. I think I'll let my neighbor do all that and then just eat delicious meal.
1: So I mean, it but is like a community has- thing. Okay, so let's, with- let's talk
2: about is, but she has laws. a she has a milk program too. So anytime I'm like wanting to make some cheese from fresh milk, I can just you know go down and get milk. And is there, she's
0: allowed to sell that to you? Because I. I don't know if it's a state law or what, that you are, places are not allowed to sell unpasteurized milk, right? Is that what it is, Steve? It is, it's,
2: um, they've loosened the state laws, but it is state by state. West Virginia has some scary laws. You can't sell anything like that. Um, New York State's operating under a cottage house law. So, you know, if you're selling out of a farm stand and you're not an LLC and you're just kind of doing it, there's a lot of really lacks laws. Hudson sells like, a lot of his stuff.
1: Like if you're not, I don't want to say, not, not for business, but for hobby, but there's yes. a limit to where you can go. There is a new business that's advertising right now that is selling milk. They will deliver it, like the old-fashioned milkman will deliver yes. the milk. And we bought some of this at Second Street Market. Oh, yeah. And I was able to, it had enough cream in it, buttercream, I was able to make butter out of butter.
0: it. Butter. Do you run up against very many laws? Like, I know there are, like, rain barrel laws. Do you collect your rain water?
2: So, mosquitoes are a huge problem around here. So, there's, like, five different kinds of mosquitoes and, and ticks and everything like that. I mean, for us, we have a creek that runs through the back. If we would really need to collect water, we could just walk down there. But, um... You know, we have a pretty good well. But the rainwater collection, we've diverted it in different directions, but never, like, collected it and had to monitor mosquitoes.
1: Now, how about your seed for your garden? Do you have to purchase your seed, or do you save some of your your produce back to make your own seed?
2: We collect seeds now. Husband and I have gotten good. Sometimes we have to buy them because... They're really, really hard to get the seeds out of. Strawberries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've ever successfully grown a watermelon. Well, we don't have a long enough growing season for watermelon. Yeah. So, you know, we're really only talking about, you know, maximum 200, 220 days worth of grow time. And that's if you're really doing, you know, some funky techniques to keep it going. Yeah. Uh, so watermelons, they don't really like that. So, uh, you know, we try to grow what is, you know, zoned for our area. We, watermelons, we do have a guy down the road. He is awesome at growing melons, but they're still not as good as, like,
1: what's well, coming you up know, from Georgia or Maryland, Florida.
2: Georgia, those kind of watermelons. Yeah.
1: So. Now, after you, when, it, when it's time to harvest your garden, how do you, do you can, freeze, dry, do you salt your stuff? How do you preserve your stuff over the winter? Or for later I have an use. Awesome
2: helper. I have an awesome helper beside me, but I also have a lot of moms locally who will get into this with me. So, like, um, we'll collect grapes and make grape juice. That's one of my daughter's favorite things to do, is there is so much wild grape around here from having so many different, you know, wine makers or people little the land that planted grapes. You'll never get rid of them. Hmm. So we, we get together and we'll collect bushels of grapes and then, you know, press them and everything. So, you know, many hands make light work. Yeah. But um, we dry apples. We make applesauce. We can stuff. We can everything. We have a freezer dedicated to just vegetables that we grow.
1: Now, um, another. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to ask you about oh. hunting and trapping and fishing here in a second, but go ahead and finish off. Oh, about. another
2: thing is, you know, there's a lot of farmers around here who are on a commercial farm and they're selling. And after the pickers come in and decide what the company wants to sell, there's a ton of fruit especially left on trees. So there's a group of us that will go and pick down um, orchards And then we'll do stuff like make sauces or slice them up or cut worms out of stuff. And, you know, you can take a really funky-looking apple and make some delicious apple juice. Hmm. But we'll get that to, like, local moms or, you know, keep some for ourselves, give it out to neighbors. It's, It's kind of a fun thing. But Hudson definitely every year shakes so many trees' worth of elderberries. When you say elderberries are the worst to collect because it looks like so much, and then all of a sudden you're looking at it. <laughs> it's like you see this ginormous enormous tree covered in these giant, they're covered in like these frogs. giant hands of berries. Yeah. And then you pick all the berries off, you're like, oh, it's table fruit. <laughs> you know what,
1: with, with the lifestyle you're living, it reminds me exactly of how my dad talks about how he grew up and they raised their own stuff. They had their own cows. They basically, if they ate it, it they made it, th- they they grew it or they raised it. And I was probably, oh,
0: yeah.
1: and, well, and, and that continued on. It was always my dad's garden, but it seemed like I was the one out always picking it and weeding it and doing all that stuff. I I can honestly, maybe a slight exaggeration. I don't think I had a canned, vegetable until i went away to college because my mom would
0: i believe it bushels
1: and bushels of beans that would just downstairs in the basement yeah. that they would put up or freeze or whatever yeah
0: the
2: only cans i think the only cans of vegetables the kids have ever had has been from food rescue yeah like they're they're like bashed in half and we don't know what's in them and we open them up like what is this going to be <laughs>
1: For so, Christmas. Because you,
2: you could shake it and tell that it's vegetables and be like, all right, let's see if this is going to the chickens or us. Nice. So,
1: Hudson, do you do any hunting or trapping or fishing?
2: Um, the fishing count is hunting. <laughs> Absolutely. If, I, if, that counts, uh, yeah. if, that, if fishing counts is hunting, I fish. is probably my favorite thing in the world to do.
1: Oh, yeah. What kind of fish do you have up there?
2: What kind of things do we have up here, to like hunt? No, no fish. fish. What, what kind of fish, fish do you have? have? We have large and smallmouth bass, which are pretty good. Yeah. But my two favorite fish are perch and bluegill.
1: Oh, I and love I've perch. i
2: thing about perch, that it's the poor man's shrimp. <laughs> perch. Because they're so easy to catch, and they're so good.
1: Oh, I love perch. perch. We, yeah. used to, we used to go up to Lake Erie and catch perch, and... They would be in the freezer, and we would have and fish. Run it in
0: cornmeal and fry it up.
1: That's it. Now, okay. Now, but sometimes, if, as far as hunting. Oh no! Go ahead. Finish up.
2: Sometimes, when we're fishing, we come across ginormous perch, and it's actually crazy. How big? We've gotten a couple. We've gotten a couple in 2019 that were 10 to 11 inches. Wow, that's They're a good
1: size perch. Huge. Yeah, so like about yeah. a pound, about got, one pounders, huh?
2: Ooh. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were up at the St. Lawrence River, and it was the middle of the night, and I had a goby out for bait, and I pulled in about a 12 and a half inch perch. That was, was a big, huge. that was a big perch. Yeah. Holy cow. Dinner-sized perch.
1: Do you like to hunt?
2: I've, not, I've never really hunted before. Well, you're not, he's not old enough. Yeah, you're not old he's enough right. yet. But he's the, got, he's a mean shot, but he's. He's not
1: hunted yet. Yeah. Does your dad hunt? No, but he is
2: thinking about getting a hunting license. Okay.
1: She's up 2020. Now we, talk, yeah, we, huh? oh, we, we talked. Oh, we talked about gosh. trading and bartering with other families. How much of that goes on?
2: A lot. Uh, we have made some of the coolest trades for meat and, uh, It's funny, you know, if you, I used to work at a winery brewery and, you know, someone would come in and be like, I have a bunch of snow geese. Can I trade beer for snow geese meat? And you're like, I will make this trade with you. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you have a little more of this and they have a little more of that, um, our neighbor likes to, you know, go fishing and he's a big salmon fisherman will travel up to Pulaski. And so often he'll go, you know, and catch the bigger females when they're spawning just to get eggs to fish later on. And so then, you know, it's not the best salmon, but I think it makes awesome salmon burgers. So we are always getting random 9 PM, you know, seven to nine Jason will drop off a of salmon and it's pretty awesome. Cool.
0: Uh, I, I'm so excited. I'm hungry. To, I know. I want to come visit you guys so bad, and let Hudson cook me dinner.
1: So Hudson, do you think your your parents are weird?
0: I do not think my parents are weird. They <laughs> have taught
2: me everything that I know today, and I'm very very grateful that I have parents.
1: So okay. Right there now. So you're pretty involved in a lot of things, and I I understand that you do a lot of stuff within the community. Can you talk a little bit about your community involvement?
2: I've done a lot of stuff, such as I won a book contest, I'm, I, and I'm also winning an award for being really good to the environment and also donating money to my school.
1: Oh, yeah? How, how are you, what are you doing to donate to earn money or to make money to donate to your school?
2: I make money off my sauce and sauce and goodies business.
1: You have a business? Yes you're going to have to tell us a little bit about your business.
2: I grow all of the vegetables that I have, and I never spray them with anything to keep bugs away. I just try to have the most natural stuff so that everything tastes good and I make enough money to donate.
1: And what what does the school do with the money that you donate?
2: They made a trout tank, and they are growing trout in the tank. I'm very, very glad that I get to see them still. Wow. I'm not in high school. That's, <laughs> That's
1: cool. Now how do you advertise your business?
2: I have a Facebook page called Hutton's Sauces and Goodies.
1: We will put that we on will link to it. We'll we will link to it so people can see that. Yep. Yeah.
2: And twenty percent goes to your school. And twenty percent of what I made this year, which I'm pretty sure is around a hundred and twenty dollars. Went to my school well that's twenty dollars. Twenty percent of a hundred and twenty. So you did donated twenty
0: five, okay. I think that was, was. Oh 20. that's that's awesome. That's pretty
1: cool that you are that aware and involved with what you're doing. Now
0: how so do you um how much comes from your parents and how much comes from school and how much is self taught?
2: kind I don't know. I would um, say you are 100% self-taught on sharks. Sharks is one of the things that I've focused a lot of time about, and I know many, 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 many facts about sharks.
0: Is that what you Math hope to Math is not you?
2: coming from me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that something that you hope to do one day, is work with sharks and, like, shark conservation?
2: Yes, that is one of the things that I've hoped. And one time I actually got to pet a shark. That's awesome. Was the best. And that still today is the best day of my entire life. (laughs) Hey,
1: Hudson, how are your compass skills?
2: I'm not the best with a compass. The only thing I really know is that a compass uses the, the needle to point towards north. Okay. So that you can tell which direction you're pointing depending on which direction the needle is pointing. And it also uses the magnetic fields of north and south to point to different directions
1: and now as we and, uh, as we were preparing for this, we were talking to your mom and she said you have some survival skills. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about like if, if you got lost out in the woods, could you make it for a while on your own?
0: I feel like I could make it about two months. Well two months. <laughs> That's about a month and twenty nine days longer than I could make it.
1: (laughs) So, do you do you have a survival kit, or how? Tell us how you would survive for two months by yourself out in the woods.
2: I actually do have a survival kit where I keep knives and multi tools and rope and a tarp and all sorts of stuff that would help me survive in the
0: wild. Okay. And you take that with you when you go hiking. Yes.
1: Okay, so now if you had to drink water, do you know how to purify your water so you can drink it and not get sick?
2: There are two things that you can do. The first thing I suggest doing, which is safer, is using a fire to boil your water until boil. it is completely safe. Okay. But if you are in, the, like, a place and you don't have enough time to boil your water, you can use a safety throw thing. They use charcoal and gravel yeah. to filter the water with parasites. I do not suggest um, take it, always using it because it actually does not filter 100%. It filters about
0: 99%. But there's still that 1% it. chance you could end up with a tapeworm.
2: Yeah. Ooh. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Hudson, if I'm out in the woods and a bear attacks me, because you do have bears in that part of the country, don't you? Yes. Okay, so if I'm out in the woods walking and a bear attacks, what do I do? Do I run? Do I climb the tree? Do I play dead? Do I poke it in the eye? What do I do?
2: The first thing you want to do is play dead, but if you have firecrackers with you, they will completely turn the bear around. <laughs> like we we scared of um, firefighters, but mostly making noise fire hiking, right? Like, if you're walking around and singing, a bear will hardly ever attack you because bears are scared of things that, like, are really, really. I don't really know how to describe this, but, like, noisy.
0: Suddenly, they Disney don't... princesses make so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand now why they walked singing through the woods.
1: Okay, now Hudson, if I, I would imagine you're from what I understand, you're a fairly good forager. So if you're out there and you need to survive for two months, you know the plants that you can eat and what you can do and what to avoid. Is that right? Yes. So if you had to forage at, say, this time of the year, what would you be looking for? What type of plants would you be looking for?
2: I would be kind of looking for like um that's a hard one. Around this time of year, it's really, really cold, and it's kind of hard to find stuff that's edible. But I've heard that there's some types of bark that is actually edible if you can get the right type of like pine bark. Yeah, pine bark.
1: You well, can let's,
2: actually eat it.
1: Well, let's make this a little bit more a little sim- more simple for you. What if it was June and you're lost in the woods, can't find your way back? What are you looking for to eat?
2: There's a lot of things that I think are really, really delicious that a lot of people usually... There's actually, like, blackberries and raspberries and black caps and strawberries and blueberries and all sorts of stuff, and grapes and stuff. There's also apples, if you're lucky enough to find an apple tree. But there's also stuff like cattails that are
1: edible. Okay, so if someone were out hiking and they get lost, what, in your opinion, what would be... The first priority.
2: Shelter would probably be the first thing. Shelter.
1: Yep.
2: I usually build shelters out of sticks that I use to build like a shell to hold up all the other stuff that I use like weeds and bark to make sure that no water actually gets inside of the thing while you're sleeping because nobody wants water dripping onto their head while they're sleeping.
1: Nope.
0: You're not going to be sleeping if you got water dripping on your head.
1: I, nope. Kim, I think you could make a good shot at that. You're a really I, good sleeper. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> I might be able to, but I think the average person probably couldn't.
1: Well, Hudson, you... I will
0: say
2: Hudson almost, he almost floated away once when we were camping. remember that time when we were uh the one camp our tent filled up with water and you were yeah. just sleeping? I remember that. The entire tent flooded. and I woke up and the, the air mattress... <laughs> was floating. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's the
1: Never a good thing if you're asleep and you wake up five miles downstream.
2: Whoops. Yeah. I would be terrified and I'd probably freak, I would probably freak out, but the first thing I'm trying to do is grab onto
0: a tree to pull a stick off to stop myself. There you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Hudson, you sound like a pretty amazing kid and pretty yes. modest about okay. this. Steffi, it- we're going to let you ask you to give us some of Hudson's accolades that he doesn't want to talk about, if that's okay. He's
0: so modest.
2: He's so modest. So when he was seven, he wrote a book called The Beautiful Great Barrier Reef and won a PBS contest. And I think the coolest thing to come out of that is people have stopped and said, I have started using reusable water bottles. That was the big point of his story was to get people to stop yeah, Stop using plastic. He's so happy about the plastic bags. thing. That's one of the things that I just looked at and I'm jumping with joy. <laughs> um, and then he went on the next year to come with honorable mention, and the year before in the PBS competition he had come in second. Wow. So every, every and you can Google him. That was the coolest thing. Is he was happy that you could Google him.
0: I this kid has um, done more in the first ten years of his life than I've done in the first thirty-seven of mine. He
2: right now I think <laughs> he's done more than me, far far more. Cooler, and you know he inspires a lot of adults to you know recycle. I always my dad used to laugh at recycling, and now it's, I can't see my dad not. And uh, it's it's been fun raising him. He is. He knows everything about underwater and, and sharks and has written scientists about volcanoes. He's always been a really fun kid to read. Can I say something? Yes. Yeah. I have gotten into... And... snorkeling. Oh. And the weirdest thing that I found recently is I found half of a grill underwater.
0: <laughs> half of a grill? He goes
2: out it's like a food grill. He goes out with his skin-diving equipment. He's got flippers and a mask, a snorkel, and will go up, um, you know, what's out, dive down and get. How many pairs of goggles have you found in the lake? Goggles? Like five, like the mask. I found two. I, oh, also found, I found a cool shirt that doesn't ever and a filter. And uh, now they're like really cool. Movies. So he works on cleaning up the lake. That's um, awesome. He, he has the business that's donating to his school, and uh, so he's had a farm since he was six years old. Has had a garden. Friends with the Beekman Boys, guys who win the Amazing Race. Oh yeah, uh, they share they share pictures of his farm every year and are actually the ones who came up with the idea. Like you should sell some of the
1: stuff that you cook. Wow! So it's uh,
2: it's been it's been fundraising him. He basically is the most altruistic person I've ever met.
0: That's it. It's just your whole family just amazes me. <laughs>
2: Unschool I've heard it called unschooling. Like apparently if your mom or dad help you learn something outside school, well, it's a weird thing. <laughs> but I think that Which it's, is silly. I know. So we just really enjoy our kids and we enjoy, you know, I know far more about makeup than I thought I ever would with Caroline. So yeah, I know far more about sharks. Um with Hudson.
0: And we should no also mention that That Stephanie has a younger, a little girl named Caroline, who is six, right? Five? Seven now. Oh, gosh, she's getting up there. And she, Caroline is a super girly girl, loves makeup, loves all of the girl things. But she is right there in with you guys in the harvesting and agriculture and and all of this self-sustaining lifestyle.
2: She actually is pretty amazing when it comes to actually – um, come up with techniques to use flowers in the garden. She thought our garden was too boring. <laughs> so Now she grows sunflowers from our garden and grows aphids on the sunflower to keep aphids off the plants. You know, she's, she's into this weirdness of ours too, but uh, she's also really into
0: makeup tutorials. Hmm. That's alright. Nice balance.
1: <laughs> hey, Stephanie.
0: Our gardens were sparkle.
1: Couple, couple more questions for you. We're going to run out of time because this is an hour, but I want to get a couple things in Uh, here too. How sustainable is this lifestyle for you?
2: I think that we can only go further.
1: Go further. We've
2: never hit, you know, we stopped using paper towels, and that felt like a big jump. Like at first when you're like, oh, no, I can't just wipe this up. You know, you make these little sacrifices, but then it just becomes normal.
1: Okay. I can understand it makes that. Sense, yeah. So it's. Would you say it's a gradual process?
2: I think we always have plans. Hudson and I are gonna, you know, drill out holes in dead wood in our backyard and try to do mushrooms this year. Okay. So you know, plugging and and growing our own mushrooms or switching from propane heating to wood is in the near future.
1: So that that was one of my questions here. Where do you see yourself in this lifestyle? in five years and then in 10 years?
2: I'm hoping to really cut off propane in the next five years and and get us down to electric. And then maybe in 10 years, I'm hoping a lot of really goes crazy on those roofing tiles. We're going to need to do the roof and hopefully maybe a solar roof. Okay. So get a little more off the grid.
0: Do you make any of your own power now?
2: Uh, n- uh, we have had solar lighting as far as the chicken coop goes, but in the winter, they still need to be warm. So mm. in the summer, the chicken coop is solar. Okay. Gotcha. But other than that, no, that's the next big step. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Well, Steffi, thank you for sharing the way that you live. And I don't, r- it's not that, it's mean, not it, that crazy. Yeah, it, it's not that crazy, and it sounds like it's very sustainable. It's very doable for you. I mean, if someone's living in the suburbs, probably is not going to work, but I think a lot of the things that you said, that even people living in the cities or the suburbs can adopt some of these lifestyles yeah, and absolutely. what you're doing.
0: And if you're interested in learning um, any of the stuff that we've talked about, you can check out Hudson has a YouTube channel, and he also has his Facebook page, which we will share. Um you, we will be happy if you have any questions about starting a more sustainable lifestyle and would have questions for Hudson or Steffi, uh, you can write to us at alosthour at gmail.com, and we will gladly forward your questions on to them and get their answers for you.
1: Hudson, any last thoughts?
0: Oh? Be, green. Ah, be green. I love it.
1: Okay, and Stephanie, any last thoughts with you?
2: Look out your local CSA. Anything that you can do to help smaller farms gets you, you know, a piece of the rebellion. It feels good to get rid of a little piece of supermarket dependency.
1: Yeah. All right. right. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Hudson. Look forward to meeting you one day. I think I actually did one time, but uh, you were you were pretty busy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was down here visiting grandparents. Yeah. I was chasing I was chasing a toddler at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a minute.
1: Okay. So. As with everything, Kim and I, our philosophy is live your life as you see fit. Tell others about how you live all you want to, but don't expect anyone else to do it just because you do it. Everyone's got to be able to live their own life with all this. That's right. And so, I don't know. Kim, how can people get hold of us here?
0: Uh, You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can email us at a hour at gmail.com and also... Keep an eye out because best of Dayton nominations come out this week. I think they actually come out on Monday, so I will post uh, either way, whether we made nominations or whether we didn't, on all of our all of our platforms. And uh, and hopefully okay. keep so, your fingers crossed. Yeah,
1: in the future we got some exciting. Well, oh, the also, big news. Yes, the big news
0: today. Uh, I would. I'm so very very excited. We hit a thousand downloads today which is not necessarily a big number for some people, but we... It's a
1: big number for it's us. It's a big
0: number for us, and we are not about comparing ourselves to those big other podcasts. It's fine. Um, but we just really wanted to say thank you so very, very, very much for listening and sharing. Um, please continue to do so. Like, subscribe, tell your friends to like and subscribe. Uh, that's the only way that we get more listeners and, and get more content out there.
1: Yeah. So again, it's just a hobby for Kim and I as we do this. We love it. But um, we we would like to grow to get a bigger audience. And again, as we sign off here, Steph Hudson, thank you for everything you've done for us today.
0: And thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Thank you. Yep.